With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. Welcome to Undrafted, a Dynasty Game Theory podcast brought to you by the Undroppables. I'm your host, Scott Belanger, a.k.a. Jax Falcone. You can find me on Twitter at Dino Game Theory. This is episode 25, I think. Again, you guys are keeping track more than me, but uh, I am I am excited to get going, so let's roll. Obviously, we are in the middle of NFL draft season. That's my favorite time of year. I'm sure you guys are all with me on that one, um, you know. it's unbelievable. There's so much talk, so much chatter, and it's because there's really nothing happening, right? So, you know, we get to this point of the season and we look around and there's no games. Uh, Right now, there's not even any combine results. There's just nothing happening. So we all have to make stuff up in order to create content a little bit on Twitter and here and there and people coming out with hot takes, seeing a lot of, you know, Trey Lancer, Justin Fields at quarterback one, all that nonsense. But, uh, we're not going to give you that nonsense here because uh, we're, we're just coming straight at it. But hopefully you guys caught the the special episode uh, that I wasn't on. So probably the best episode uh, uh, in the history of Undrafted because I wasn't on it. But, um, <clears throat> you know, my producer, Michael, and and the the Shanghai Warrior, Mark Mathic, uh, interviewed Jaquan Hardy. And Jaquan is just a cool guy. I mean, just a really uh, 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 awesome kid. And, you know, we, we sort of had a little bit of a – you know, back and forth with Jaquan and, and we, and we, you know, kind of got to, to know him a little bit and we wanted to bring him on and kind of get his name out there. Look, I mean, when it comes right down to it, he's, he, he plays at a small D2 school, uh, Tiffin, which is actually somewhat pretty close to where my guest is from today. But, you know, this kid's a prototype, man. He's 5'10, 215. He thinks he can run in the four fives, maybe break four five. I mean, look, if he breaks four five, and he's pretty legit size speed guy, but I don't know if he's going to do all that. But it sounds like he was uh, ready to test and 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 kind of be um, you know uh, um, a, a real type of player. And and look, if he gets drafted, he reminds me a little bit of James Robinson in a lot of ways. Small school size, you know, kind of the way he runs. He's he's a really uh, he's one of those guys where he's like just a winner and just a great attitude. So you know, he's got a lot of red flags too. The small school, fifth year player, etc. But uh, just really excited to to have him on the pod and look if he gets a shot you know I know all my listeners will be taking him with the with the last pick of their fifth round just to uh, just to just to get him just to get him uh, on the squad you know so hashtag draft Jaquan so uh, you know I, I I have some stuff I want to get to today um, you know and, and those who have been listening you know may have noticed that I haven't been revealing too many of sort of my opinions and takes on the 2021 class. So I kind of wanted to share why. And I mean, number one, it's first of all, it's too early. I mean, I do have some takes, but I don't know, man. You know, so much can happen and so much can change. 
The draft will change things, but we're not even close to the draft. I mean, I usually have a pretty good understanding of who I like as prospects and put them in some sort of an order uh, somewhere in, in March. And <clears throat> we're getting there. We're halfway through February. But, you know, I try to take it slow and, and, and not try and get too far out in front of myself here. So I would recommend you kind of do the same. Don't have any any takes that you can't move off of because at this particular point, you start to digest everything. You start to look back on things. Yeah, we know Trevor Lawrence is good. Yeah, we know, you know, Jamar Chase is good. But we also want to make sure that we're not we're not too aggressive with our takes where we can't move off it. Um, you know, so so that's really the process I wanted to share with you. But uh, you know, so and 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 the podcast I wanted to follow the same type of same type of path where we got a couple of film guys on, we got some college guys on. You know, I had uh, Felix Sharp, uh, who I'm actually going to be podding with a little later tonight, which will be fun. But you know, Felix Sharp really knows his stuff. Uh, Felix, come home, baby. Uh, but you know, Felix Sharp on college, and then uh, the, the Shanghai Warrior himself, Mark Mathic, you know, really knows uh, his college stuff as well. And then I had some film guys, Kane Fossil and Zach Reed. And you know, upcoming, you're going to have some dynasty monsters coming on the show and, and really talking about all that stuff. And you know, I'm gonna I'm gonna start sharing a little bit more of my takes going forward. But I'll give you an example. You know, last year, you know. Uh, we looked at the top, and, and at the very beginning, I had JT, Swift, Akers, and Dobbins. And then I had sort of CEH, Vaughn, and Gibson. But then Clyde Edwards-Hilaire started going 101, and it was really hard for me, or anybody for that matter, to keep him at, at, at running back five or, or lower because you were incentivized to follow the value. And there was value, man. He had he had sky high value. He was being taken as the 1.01. So I have to be able to factor that in. Otherwise, so if I don't factor that into my rankings and analysis and my advice, ignoring all that would be stubborn. And so I didn't want to do that. I didn't do that. Um, but so the, the the task is forever changing uh, current of information that we must either roll with or fight against, right? Um, and it's diff- difficult to know when to zig or zag and whether to stay with your take or to kind of move it a little bit. And do I move CEH up to the 101 or the 104? Where do I move him? You know, th- that stuff just sort of is hard to understand. So in this time, you, you want to start to understand who you like as prospects regardless of draft position and regardless of landing spot. So that way when those, that noise comes, it's not going to move you too much but you're able to be fluid in those moments. And that's really my process. So, you know, this time of year, look, a lot of guys don't even look at anything till after the draft. I mean, really, a lot of dynasty players, I'm sure. I mean, most of the sick ones listening to this show obviously are much more into it. But a lot of your competitors in some of your more casual leagues are like, oh, when's the draft? Cool. Let me kind of pull out the, you know, that used to be the sporting news and just uh, check it out and go from there. So, you know, if you're playing against those guys, you have a huge leg up because they're going to go and they're going to see Henry Ruggs was the first pick of the draft and and they're going to they're going to take him higher than they should and they're going to take him again uh, ahead of Brandon Ayuk and ahead of T Higgins and there's going to be some some false flags like that in this draft that you're going to want to know about beforehand. Um, you know, so what does that mean? Well, let's fast forward to right now, and and in that context, what are the things that we know right now? Let, let me let me share this. Okay, so if Najee Harris and Travis Etienne had declared last year, I would have had Etienne firmly in that top group with JT, Swift, Dobbins, and Akers. I would have had Harris right there, right probably right at the backside, but ahead of CEH and others. By the way, I would have also had Chuba Hubbard 
there with Harris. So those guys, that's where they placed last year, okay? Well, when we look at the anatomy of an elite running back or wide receiver, early declares are one of the big boxes to check. And now those three guys can't check that box. They can't. Now, it doesn't make them a worse player or a better player for returning to school. I mean, they may be a better player or a worse player, but that specifically doesn't make them so. But it is a box that, when we see it checked, usually leads to more production. So how does that change everything, right? So what does that all mean? Well, I'm going to tell you. You know, we look at, you know, in a one-quarterback league, you know, and even in Superflex, I'm looking first at those elite running backs. I want to look at those elite running backs. You know, just go back to to the CMC draft and look at the top running backs, uh, you know, sort of consensus. McCaffrey, Fournette, Dalvin Cook, Mixon, Saquon, Geis, Chubb, Sony Michelle, Miles Sanders, Josh Jacobs, and the aforementioned JT, Akers, Swift, and Dobbins. Well, now I'm at the point where I'm putting ETN, Najee and Javante Williams in that in that in that group. Those are the guys from my perspective. Now there are other guys. Um, you know, uh, you know, if we want to talk about Jamar Jefferson and Hubbard and some of the other guys. But if you just ask me, those are the three guys that are in that spot. Okay, and things can change, but basically you have to look at those three guys. And if, if you want to give me one more, it's going to be Jamar Chase. So those are my top four prospects. In what order? I don't know. Someone actually asked me on Twitter about this, and I was like, well, I kind of gave them those four answers, and I think they were looking for an order. I don't even want to put them in order yet because I want more information, right? I want to take more information and, and, and then make that decision. But I do want to start to tier things in a way where I'm putting guys in groups so that I understand, hey, these guys I think are in this elite group or this top level group, or, you know, elite, whatever you can call it, whatever you want. But you kind of get my drift in that sort of top tier of running backs in a given season or top tier of wide receivers. And, and sometimes you can look at it and say, okay, comparing any of these three guys with any of those guys I just mentioned, that big group of backs in the last four years. Well, what do you think? And, and obviously, you can't compare them to the player that they are in the NFL now, but you kind of have to think back. And what did I think of Dalvin? What was Dalvin's profile look like? What was Mixon's profile look like? Etc. Cetera, Etc. Cetera. You start to compare these guys and think, do I have Dalvin Cook here or do I have Sony Michelle? I mean, you know, what was Sony Michelle's red flags? You know, behind he played behind Chubb, he had the knees, etc. You know, what what made Ronald Jones and Carryon Johnson not elite, right? So you start to di- digest that information. I just wanted to get that out. Um, you know, my my guess is probably like, what the hell, man? He brought me on. No, I'm just I'm I'm just joking. But you know, this is so important. I think it was one thing that I hadn't shared um, anywhere really because it's a little bit of a long a long form. And, you know, you can't tweak that shit out. So I wanted to share that with y'all and, and kind of get you to understand where I'm at uh, and and how I start to just dissect the class and make sure I don't get too crazy with anybody. Oh, Najee number one, forget it. Maybe, but I'm going to take my time. You know, maybe Najee was number one. And he, I think he is for me. I'm not sure, but I want to figure this out. You know, sometimes it's pretty clear. Like for me last year, JT was number one. and It was going to be hard to get him off that. But um, you know, enough uh, enough of that. I've got a I've got a guest. I am so excited. Look, making his second appearance on the show. 
However, this is his first time talking to you as an official member of the Undroppables. My guest today is Chris Robin. You, you may remember the amazing episode I did with Chris and how awesome he was. He's a DFS grinder who puts in more work than anyone I know. He is now our DFS guy here at the Undroppables. I am so proud of that and happy to, to announce. So you may know him as at Detroit Beastie on Twitter, Chris Robin. What is up? Thank you so much for having me. I uh, I want to say thank you for what you said, you know, for the last, how long was it? 15, 20 minutes, something like that. <laughs> but even like before we went live, uh, you know, or started to record here, uh, you said some pretty important things here that uh, most people don't pay attention to that kind of stuff. They just, they're like meat and potatoes guys. They just see black and white. They'll argue, oh, what color is the sky blue? No, it's black. They'll argue anything uh, just to be right. And again, I don't want to go on some wild uh, kind of talking spree here or monologue, as they say in the, in the business, right? What, you know, I look at it from a point of view where, you know, we need to be mindful of the interactions that we have with other people, right? Because, you know, some people are, they're negative. They can drag you down and they, they change your whole mindset here. And I'm not trying to have a therapy session with you uh, this evening. I'm just trying to, you know, tell you, you know, what I think, because again, I love the dynasty player, the DFS player. I am, I like to look at things from all sides uh, of the, of the coin right? Let's say. And what I look at it is that there's the diehards, there's the casual fans, and then there's somewhere in between. There's, there's a voice of reason in a way sometimes here, but looking at the landscape of, and again, we've, we've had many conversations off air here where social media is not the end all be all for what we're trying to do here. And a lot of people think that it's the end all be or I want to be Twitter famous. I want my face everywhere and I want to do it that way. Those are the people that are going to get passed up. They're going to get passed up really quick. They're going to fade away or they're going to get passed up because a, they're doing too much and they're going to burn out or they're, they're going it. They're doing all this for the wrong reasons. I'm here with you tonight because I enjoy you. I came to the undroppables because I absolutely loved the content and the work you guys are putting in and, and joining the group chat in day one, what was fantastic. I can't thank you guys enough for having me in there. And I knew right away, I, I told you again, pull the curtain back a little bit for a moment. Uh, I could have went a, a ton of different ways. And I'm not saying that from a, like an egotistical standpoint. It's just because DFS is, um, it's fickle. It's gone. It's here and it's gone. Not a lot of people are doing it. And not a lot of people are doing it right. And to bring what I'm doing here with you, uh, is fantastic. I couldn't think of anything better for me right now than to be here with you now and with the undroppable. So I thank you for having me here. And, uh, uh, let's get rolling. I can't wait to do some work. And I, I do want to say uh, in a way I was kind of, uh, I don't want to say embarrassed, but I was like, uh, you know, th that John Travolta meme from Pulp Fiction where he's in the room and he's kind of looking around like, what do I, because I, I joined, joined you boys after the NFL season was done. So there, there's, there's literally no DFS work to be put in, but I said, uh, you know what? I, I'm good at broadcasting. I think I have a nice voice. I have a nice camera here, so uh, I can help you guys in that way until the following season here. So I know, I know, I'm where I belong, and you'll you'll fit me in where I belong. So uh, thank you so much for having me here this evening, and thanks for having me as part of the Undroppables for the long haul. You are, yeah, man. It's awesome to have you. And actually, you know, I I, I bet you the 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 degenerates that listen to this show 
are definitely looking to make some money, and they're definitely going to be following you on the DFS. And you know, I, I dabble in DFS, but it wasn't my forte, and and I do want to learn it. We do have our analytics team working directly with you to try and optimize everything you're doing. Obviously, you're the leader of that show, but we're going to give you everything that we've got in order to back you up to help you figure it out even more. And you know. I can't wait to share that, you know, on the undroppables and have something, you know, we would, we would dabble in it and, and we just didn't feel confident enough in our process and our advice to call it expert advice. We just didn't, we just didn't. So we didn't call it expert advice. We, we would share little things, Hey, check this out or whatever, but we didn't want to, we didn't want to fool the people. We're not trying to fool the people. And so we brought in, the, the, the best the best free agent available and that was you and you know the people are also going to be pretty excited because you know you do hockey DFS uh, you know and, and I think you've done pretty well at that I don't have your you know whatever but I, you know I, I think you know what the hell you're doing there as a matter of fact I think you even told me at one point it's probably easier to make money playing hockey DFS is that kind of true yeah absolutely and that's just because uh, like I respect what you guys are doing in terms of kind of uh, you know stepping away from the DFS a little bit because not a lot of people do that. They think they can do, they, they're a jack of all trades. They can do everything. <laughs> right. And that, that's why I fit it. That's why I fit in so well here. The attitude is uh, why half ass anything? If you're going to do something, do it the right way here. But in terms of hockey that I, I, I sorry to break the news here on a football dynasty podcast, but hockey has always been my favorite sport. Number one, I am in Detroit, AKA hockey town. The wings aren't as good. I know this isn't a hockey broadcast, but, you know, uh, hockey, baseball, and football, those are the major three sports for me personally. And when you, when you love something like this, it doesn't even have to be DFS or dynasty or hockey. When you love something to do something and it's a hobby, whether it's free or it's paid, whatever you put more of yourself into that. I think that's why, um, we're me, you on droppables, uh, we're successful here because people can, they can hear the passion. They can see the passion. It's right there in front of them. There is not, not trying to fool anyone, no smoke and mirrors. It's no nonsense. We're here to, you know, give the best information possible, but you're going to enjoy it along the way. It's not, we're not like a, a robot. As I was saying, you know, earlier here, uh, I like, you know, I don't talk like that. I, I put every bit of myself in every sentence, every art, Article, every broadcast I do, and it shows people really pick up on that kind of stuff. And that's, I think it, it's a lost art in a way in what, in what's going on in today's society and especially on social media, people are just in it half-assed. They just want to, you know, likes, clicks, views, interactions here. That's not what I'm about. I'm here to enjoy myself and let my passion, you know, soak out and seep through my content and my work. It's seeping. It's seeping, brother. It's it's happening. I mean, there's no doubt, man. You're the most passionate guy. I love it. I was I was you know you can ask anybody in the Undroppables, and I, I was I was uh, I was positioning for you. I wanted you on the team for those reasons. You know, I love it, man. I love authentic authenticity. It's a easy word to spell, hard word to say. I don't know, but listen, I I love it. And you're right. We don't ask anybody to do anything that they're not. Um, passionate about. We don't say, hey man, you need to write four articles on this. You know, We look f- to each guy who's a, who's a member of the team and say, what can you bring? What are you passionate about? What do you want to do? And, you know, and we find a way to give someone a platform to do those things. And, you know, when we reach out to people, I think sometimes there's that misconception. You know, I think even a few times I've reached out to some of the guys and they're like, 
I don't want to be on a deadline because you guys are doing really good. It's like, man, no, no, check it out, bro. You know, once the curtain is open, you're like, no, this is not how it is. Absolutely. And my, my late father uh, told me years ago, when I was a boy, even like before middle school, high school, and, and, and this is not saying anything earth shattering here, but if if you enjoy or you love what you're doing, then it's not a job. It's not work. You know, I, this isn't my full-time gig. I work in behavioral therapy. I work with mentally impaired adults here. But it, again, nothing is worth doing unless you're going to do it right. So when you when you love what you're doing and you enjoy the interactions and the conversations you're having, then you're even more excited to do it. I can't tell you how many times during the NFL season, you know, on a Sunday, I was already writing next week's article while I was watching Sunday night football, because that's how much few, few things. That's how much I believe in what I'm doing in my process and how I get to point A to point B. But I absolutely love sitting down. It's like a Rubik's cube, figuring it out. Some people are math whizzes. Some people are, are tech geniuses. And I'm not saying I'm anywhere in that, you know, category here, but this, this is my thing. This is what I love to do. And again, as you said, it's seeping and there, I see no way of getting away from that. If let's say, God forbid, I I happen to step away from this. I'm exhausted. You guys here piss me off. I don't know. I would never do that, but let's say I step (laughs) away. I would still be filling up. I would still be filling up notebooks and note cards and writing on anything that's not nailed down because my brain is firing so much that I have to get it out. If I don't, I go nuts. That's why people call me a a dinosaur. I'm only in my mid thirties, but nobody uses a computer anymore to, to type their notes out. Everybody, or excuse me, everybody does use the computer and Google sheets and this and that. I got my note cards right here in front of you. I I showed them to you. I'm a pen and paper, touch (laughs) it, see it kind of guy here. So that's my process. That's the only way I know how. If I had to use a computer, sure, it wouldn't, I I wouldn't be comfortable with it. It would make me, you know, it would bum me out and I would just kind of not want to do it. So, you know, find your own way and go about things in that manner. BC's BC's house looks like a beautiful mind. He's just got shit written on every wall. It's unbelievable. He's got math equations. It's like Tony Pollard minus David Montgomery equals Zeke Elliott or shit like that. You know, it's unbelievable. He's got all these equations. It's unbelievable. What what a, what a guy. But you guys can you guys can feel why I love him, why I brought him on the team, and and uh, you know. But you know, you didn't tune in today to hear each to hear us two wax poetic about each other. That I know. That I know, I know that for a fact. I, I gave you your, I gave you your platform. Now get the hell off it and tell me who the fuck to draft at position number six. That's what they want to know. After these top four guys, bro, anybody could have told me ETN, Harris, Javante, and Jamar Chase, you big dummy. Now tell me what the hell to do. So let's get into it, baby. Let's have some fun with this, eh? Absolutely. <laughs> so <clears throat> look, I. I you know, I did want to talk about the top of the draft board because you got to start somewhere. And again, if I'm if I'm if I'm helping someone figure out what the hell's going on, I think there's like some surefire things. Like for me, I just mentioned it. There's there's three top running backs. Okay, great. Book them. Uh, Jamar Chase. Book it. Kyle Pitts. Absolutely the top tight end, and it's no doubt. And I'll I'll, I'll give you my quick take on Kyle Pitts. You can hit it up if you want, but I'm going to tell the people because they want to hear it. So Kyle Pitts, you know, oftentimes I'm hesitant to draft tight ends in a dynasty rookie draft. And many of the sharp 
dynasty players are as well. Kyle Pitts, maybe, it's possible. He certainly profiles as a a, a generational tight end. I love using that word just because it pisses people off, but that's ultimately what he is. He's a generational prospect. Why? Because he he looks a lot like uh, Darren Waller is today. I mean, he's that guy. He can split out wide. He can beat cornerbacks. He can play all over the field. His only question mark is blocking, uh, and he's not a bad blocker. It's just, you know, he's not dominant. But I'll tell you what, you know, (laughs) he doesn't need to too often. You know, just pass every down and throw it to him. Uh, You know, if you're playing Madden, you just, you know, just throw it to him every single down. So, but, you know, uh, in all honesty, he's that guy. He's just, he's he's an absolute beast. He's so fast, and he's really athletic on the outside. His ball tracking is as good as we've ever seen at the tight end position. His production is there. His size is there. Um, you know, I'd like to see what he measures in at. I'd love to see some some combine, but Pitts is there. And the other guy that's at the top is Trevor Lawrence. So if you just sort of take that cream of the crop and, and and you and you put it at the top, well, you've got about six players that are that are, I guess, truly elite. But it doesn't end there, man. Because if you're in a super flex draft, You've got four more quarterbacks that likely will be drafted in the top 15 picks of this draft. And if you're in a super flex draft, any quarterback, even shitty ones like Daniel Jones and Mitch Trubisky, even when they're drafted in the top uh, top 15, they're worth a dynasty start a, a dynasty rookie pick in your in your super flex draft because they're going to get opportunity. So even if you don't like Zach Wilson or Mac Jones or Trey Lance or Justin Fields, you really have to pay attention to them. And really have to think long and hard with every pick whether or not you should be taking one of those guys. And that's that's actually one of the trickiest parts of Superflex. And I'm going to tell you, I haven't figured that out. I have not. Um, and I and and I think I'm I'm probably very comfortable in saying that because you know who else hasn't figured that out? Anybody else, <laughs> including NFL teams. Well, if we're, I see what we're doing here. We're going to go back and forth, and we're going to throw some prospects around. And I, I absolutely love. Uh, I, I'm in. If you don't know, I'm in Michigan, so I'm in uh, in Big Ten, uh, you know, territory or, or however they put it. I love what I've seen from Rondale Moore, Purdue's wide receiver here. Uh, I mean, the 2020 season was kind of lost for the Big Ten overall, if you noticed. I mean, a lot of the games were canceled. Remember that whole Ohio State uh, made the, the playoff with having only played like five or six games. And, you know, Michigan was a disaster. But th- there was some, you know, gold lining here. I think that's the saying here. Now, Rondale Moore, he, he made his debut against Northwestern where he racked up well, how, how many all-purpose yards. I think it was like 290, 300-something yards like that. He scored 14. 14 times. And then if you look at me personally, the prospect that Rondale Moore is, and I want to go back real fast, if we can, to what you said in the opening of the show about, you know, guys that just, they, they don't even look into this stuff. They don't even pick up a pen and paper and rank guys until we know where they're drafted. But in terms of Rondale Moore, uh, without a doubt, he's going to be a, a slot receiver. And, and that doesn't, that couldn't even excite me uh, that wouldn't excite me even more, as I should say. Wherever he goes in the slot is now, uh, it's kind of turned into uh, like the, the hottest pl- p- person on the field, excuse me, the hottest like 
part of the field, player on the field. Sorry, stammering my words here. He's going to be a target monster in terms of playing in the slot, lined up inside, unless like a cornerback or a safety can stop him. He's just going to absolutely just blast and just knock over cornerbacks. Cornerbacks, And then when you look at linebackers coming up or coming over to, to get on him, his, his release is unbelievably great uh, from what I've seen in the limited time of, of, you know, viewing these, these prospects I've seen. So uh, everything he does, he, again, talking about, you know, being, you know, half-ass or not doing things the right way. Rondale Moore is that he fits the bill in terms of, of what I love to see in a wide receiver prospect. He does everything balls to the wall here. And he's, he's got, he, he's thicker and he's going to be dominant you know, after the catcher, he's going to be able to run over people. Now I know what you're thinking. I I'm not good with, with comparisons. Rondale Moore reminds me of this. So I don't do it because that would make me look silly, but I'm telling you right now, uh, if you have a top 10 pick, like a later, uh, like say, like we were talking about before the show eight, nine or 10, I would absolutely consider him drafting him depending on the makeup of your team here. If you're set, you know, DK, AJ, whoever you got on your team, I would strongly consider drafting Rondale Moore out of Purdue. Rondale Moore is a stud. And, you know, Rondale, uh, you know, I, I was talking to a, a lot of the, you know, so I talked to a couple different people leading up to this, and, and Zach Reed has him as his number one running back in the class. I mean, number one wide receiver in the class. And, and of course, he said, look, I'm not going to have to draft him as the number one uh, wide receiver because I won't need to. And he said that he had had um, uh, A.J. Brown and, oh, shit, I forgot the other one. Oh, Justin Jefferson were his other two wide receiver ones the last two years. And he said, so my track record speaks for itself. He goes, I think I know what the hell I'm doing. And he may. And I'll tell you what, I don't think he's crazy. Look, Rondale Moore checks every box except except size. That's it. So he's small, okay? That's it. Uh, the injury thing, you know, I actually listened to uh, Ryan Lopes and Ray GQ, Ray Garvin talk a little bit about uh, the the injury, and <clears throat> it's been a hamstring, and it's been, uh, you know, it sort of crept up again after, you know, uh, after he hurt it uh, and, and ended his season, but, um, you know, I, I don't think he's going to be injury prone or anything like that. I mean, obviously, you know, you hate to see what he had to go through, but look, production-wise, He's been almost 100 yards per game despite the sort of quote-unquote down year or whatever you want to call it. I mean, he's been 100 yards every single game. Um, so for me, he he's hit, hits the production box. He hits the athleticism box. He hits the early breakout box. He hits the dominator box. He hits every box except that size. Well, now the dude is not small. He's short. He it does hit the BMI box. So really, every single box he's going to check. He's going to check the, the 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 draft pedigree. He's going to get drafted. Uh, certainly, I would think probably round two. Actually, I don't know if he goes in round one because uh, yeah, whatever. But I've been flirting with making him my wide receiver. You know, one, two, or three. I don't know what the hell to do it. For me, I have this little group behind Jamar Chase. And they're not way behind Jamar Chase, to be honest with you. Yeah, check this out, Beastie. I was thinking about this the other day. This whole flipping season, you, you ever play Madden, where you uh, you know you, you do the franchise mode, and the, you have to like spend your uh, XP to like scout draft, pl- to scout the players in the draft, and they they'll like reveal how fast they are, or you can like reveal their overall rating. It's kind of like that where. There's just shit that we don't know. It's like 
God, I wish I knew what his speed was, or I wish I knew, like, there's so much missing. Like, Jamar Chase's entire junior season doesn't exist. Like, that's crazy. We've never gone through something like this in a, in a, in a draft. So, you know, for all of us, we're going to be dealing with a lot of information that, or information we don't have, and, and that's new. You know, we're not going to have a combine, so we don't get to see the, 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 the level playing field of athleticism that we normally get that can, I, you know, I don't, I don't live by the combine, but it confirms things. In other words, if, if Rondell Moore looks fast and you're like, yeah, he's, he's real fast, uh, and then he runs a 4.58, you're like, wait, what? You know what I mean? He, he's not fast. You know, um, it kind of like even with Jalen Rager. I mean, I, I thought Jalen Rager was going to run like they were, they were talking. He was going to run like four, three, four, three, five. He ran like a four or four, eight or something like that. I was like, okay. I mean, it's plenty fast. That's how fast, uh, Judy and, um, and, and lamb were, but it was like, oh, I thought he was real fast. He's not real fast. He's just kind of fast. Like, you know, it, his speed now wasn't something that's like a, a real advantage. It's just, He's just, you know, so, it, it, and maybe that was, you, do you hear what I'm saying? Like, we're just going to have so much missing information that it's going to be a little bit more challenging for us to figure out, w- w- you know, what we're really looking at, I guess. The first, yeah, I'm with you 100%. And the first thing that stands out to me from, from Jamar Chase is uh, I, I didn't think a football player could be uh, overly physical here, but I think it's in, in the long term, uh, starting out, in his NFL career, I think him being over physical at the line of scrimmage, it, it might, you know, uh, hold him back to, uh, for a little bit, if that makes sense, where, you know, he's going to come up and uh, they're going to put like a cornerback or somebody on him and he's, he's just going to try and do too much and he's going to get burned or he's going to get thrown down to the ground. Cause that's what, from what I've seen, that's what he's relied on, like being overly uh, aggressive at the line of scrimmage. And then when he's like just on a regular play, I've seen him him uh, kind of get lazy once in a while, which isn't a bad thing because these kids are in college. And then it's kind of like when they get drafted and that the OTAs in the off season, it's kind of like a mini boot camp in a way for some of these kids here. And he's going to be fine. And I know everything I'm seeing that you can times what I'm seeing, what I'm doing by what times a thousand from the pro scouts and the pro football coaches. So whatever team he goes to already knows this going into it. And it's not anything that's like unfixable where, uh, well, we'd, we would have liked to draft him, but he gets too overzealous at the line of scrimmage and he's getting beat up, you know, at the line of scrimmage or he's using, you know, uh, he's not creating separation the way he should be something along those lines here. So Jamar Chase is absolutely uh, in my top three in terms of, of a wide receiver class. I'm just kind of how can I put this tempering expectations because there's a whole season that's non-existent, as you said, and going back to what I did watch, it's, uh, it's not worrisome. I don't want to say that. I don't want to mislead your listeners or mislead anybody here, but it's just something I'm going to keep an eye on. Will it stop me from, from acquiring him or drafting him in rookie drafts? Absolutely not, but I'm going to keep an eye on him and his, his, his physical, his over physicality at the line of scrimmage, which holy crap, I can't believe I said that overly uh, aggressive at the line of scrimmage yeah I mean you know he had a he had a legend look he's had one season I mean he was good as a freshman but not great I mean he had two catches a game I mean he wasn't he was nothing his first his freshman year but his his true sophomore season which is something that I I highlight in the anatomy of an elite wide receiver was elite and that gives him a a a a 19 year old breakout age 
he also has the body that I, I like to see, which is, you know, six foot ish, but he's probably a little bit more than that. He's six foot and over 200. So he's six foot 210, which if I could build a guy in a lab, that's pretty much it. I mean, you know, obviously uh, the freak that is A.J. Brown is a whole different kind of thing. Uh, but normally they, they can't, if they're that big, they can't move like like A.J. Brown does. But, you know, that 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 size, that D.J. Moore size, that that Odell Beckham size, th- th- that whole size is a great size. And, and he, he kind of reminds me of those guys a little bit. Uh, you know, um, I just wish I knew more information uh, with him, you know, it, and so it makes me a little bit nervous, um, you know, drafting anybody this high with so much information missing. You know, obviously we're not drafting yet, so we don't have to worry about it, but, you know, I, I'd love to see Jamar Chase, you know, run real fast because that would sort of, you know, we see him breaking people off deep and he's just gone and he had, you know, I think it was almost 22 yards a catch, uh, you know, his sophomore year, which obviously would lend you to believe that he's fast. Well, it'd be great if he, you know, if he ran like a four three eight, you'd be like, oh no, this is the dude, because that sort of then would make sense. You know, if he runs a four five five, it's like, okay, well, now now he's tending towards. And I'm not saying he is, but I'm saying he's tending towards more of a Nikhil Harry, where you're like, wait a minute, did I, you know, is that separation that 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 get off the line? Is that not there? Does he need to work on that? A lot of the stuff you mentioned though is, is coachable things, and I think you know. Uh, that's why we look for raw traits a lot of the times, and and then you know positive and 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 solid attitudes. You know you want to hear, yeah, the guy's a hard worker, which brings me all the way back to Rondell Moore, who is all those things. And yeah, he's a he's going to be a safe pick. I mean, you know, I, I like to think of floor and ceiling, and with like with Rondell Moore, it's like he's at at the very least Curtis Samuel. Like, I mean, obviously he's better than Curtis Samuel. I mean, I would imagine, but I just can't see him completely busting because he's so versatile. You know, I think in his freshman year, he had like, I don't know, I want to say almost 300 yards rushing. He, he He's just so versatile um, that I think he's going to, um, you know, uh, I just can't see him busting. You know, some of the bigger wide receivers, we've seen them bust. We've seen Josh Doxson and you know, we've seen not to say again that Jamar is Josh Doxson. I'm just saying we've seen some of these guys bust over the years. Yeah, absolutely. And uh, again, I'm with you. I'd love to see him run fast. I'd love to. And, and it just stinks that all this, you know, all these health things and COVID's going on because the the combine is now uh, not happening, which was always on on, on my you know bucket list to go there and spend the weekend there and just be sitting there doing nothing with my phone, not even my phone, just a pen and a pad of paper and just writing stuff down here. So I'm with you. I, I hate to, I'm just, I can only give my honest opinion in what I would do. Uh, I, I would rather, you know, pass him by in my personal drafts. You know, that old saying where, you know, let someone, let him be someone else's problem here. I'm not going quite that far, but there's still a whole heck of a lot I need to see uh, from him in kind of a short period of time here with, you know, only a couple months until the draft and most, you know, rookie drafts or dynasty drafts, you know, don't, I mean, they're happening now. Startups are happening now, which is crazy to me, but that's not, not none of my business here, but Jamar Chase is going to be okay. I think he's going to be fine. And in terms of uh, like the versatility of like a Rondale Moore, it's going to take a, a certain set of coaches to to see that in someone and implement it. Seeing someone and saying, "Hey, this is how we want to use him" is one thing, but actually doing it is a whole other set of problems. Yeah, it's like uh, you know, it's interesting. I've got you know, I, I I've got the 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 sort of the top eight. Um, wide receivers are all very like solid in my in my mind but they all have questions you know each one of them I could go down each one and just be like 
there's the question mark. There's the there's the empty, you know, Jamar Chase. Well, we've got, you know, a completely missing uh, junior season. You know, we, we, we obviously don't have um, combine for any of them, but we have a missing season. Rashad Bateman, uh, who I love, you know, is he sort of, um, you know, uh, jack of all trades, master of none? Is he just going to be sort of an average player? Is he, you know... I you know Brian Edwards or something I mean where it's just like he just won't be dominant out there he'll just be a guy that may come along and be a good player it's possible Terrace Marshall uh you know who I really like uh but you know he could be a little bit of fool's gold uh Devontae Smith has the BMI issues where you know we're just not sure if if he's big big enough strong enough for the NFL game uh, Rondell Morris, 5'9", uh, you know, Jalen Waddle never broke out, never had a breakout season, although he's on his way here. He's a senior, um, you know, uh, Diami Brown, I love, but, you know, played at North Carolina, wasn't a, wasn't a high pedigree player. Um, you know, Tylen Wallace, uh, who I really like, I probably am a little bit higher on Tylen Wallace than most because he actually does check almost every single box. Um, I'm, st- I'm starting to find myself moving Tylen Wallace up. I don't know if you've uh, checked him out, but I, I keep feeling like, you know, when I just take Tylen Wallace and I compare him for myself against one other player, whoever it is, pick any of these guys, I'm like, eh, he's, yeah, I'm, I don't know. I think I might like Tylen Wallace as much as Jalen Waddle or as much as, you know, uh, Devontae Smith. I don't know. I mean, would Tylen, Tylen Wallace put up huge numbers where he was if he was playing with the likes uh, uh, that Devontae Smith was playing? Maybe he'd have been as good. I, I don't know. Um, you know, you, you can't take the player out of the situation, which is why we look at dominator rating, not just pure stats. We look at, you know, it's the old DJ Moore thing. You know, DJ Moore had pretty good stats, but he was like, he had all of Maryland's catches, you know. So th- some of that stuff really matters. And I, I think Tylen's just been so consistent. He, he popped his knee, came back, you know, quickly and effectively. Um, I think the kid's for real. So, you know, but but with each of those guys, you can find something you know, a, a problem or, or, or a red flag, if you will. Yeah. And here's the thing with, with Tylen, Tylen Wall, excuse me, you ever, you know, anybody that's married or, or has a boyfriend or a girlfriend, you know, you, you, you know, you introduce to them or you see them at the grocery store and you go home and you're thinking, I, I just can't get this person off my mind. There's three guys, three kids in this draft that I can't get off my mind. And one of them is the aforementioned Tillon Wallace. Now he, if you need anybody in this entire wide receiver class to like, uh, just go up and get the ball as they say a 50, 50, ball he's the guy he you you'd be very good luck finding a guy who can go up and get the ball more than Tylen Wallace so with as I think you touched on it I'm not saying anything that that hasn't already been said here but he missed a lot of the most of the 2019 season and what he did was I believe 3,400 receiving yards and I believe 26 touchdowns there playing for Oklahoma State and the quarterback play was was shaky at best and as you said imagine like imagine Wallace and you know with Burrow you know, a few years ago, or even Wallace, or, yeah, excuse sure. me, Trevor Lawrence this season, it would have been unbelievable. And I hate speaking in hypotheticals like that. Well, if this player didn't miss 17 me games, too. Well, yeah, that didn't happen. So yeah. we, we, that didn't happen. So why, <laughs> right. why even talk that way? When, when someone says that they, they, they make that an argument. Well, uh, Christian McCaffrey was on pace for, well, it, it didn't happen. So there was no pace to be had here, but back to Tylen <laughs> Wallace. Yeah. He's, right. he's, he's, he's a guy, yeah, he did a what kid he, he did that what he did. is, 
Yeah, he did what he did, and that's the end of it. No more, you know, sh- not trying to sugarcoat or basically make up stats for someone here. But he was a four-star recruit, came into Oklahoma State, and did what he could given what was in front of him. Like you said, you can't. We can't change a, a player's situation. We can only use the dominator factor, uh, as you said here. So Taylor Wallace is absolutely on my short list of of, of kids coming out of the draft that I'm looking to acquire or I'm looking to write or talk about here. And that's saying something because I don't, I haven't even written a list yet. That's how, uh, not far behind I am, but I just like to, uh, on my own time, on my own terms. Right. Yeah, no, I, I agree. I, it, it's interesting because, you know, there's, I just, I, I think there's, um, there's probably about 10, 12 uh, wide receivers in this class that I'd be really happy to draft. I mean, maybe eight that are uh, quote unquote elite. Not, not, I don't know about elite. I mean, just top shelf, let's just say. You know, getting down into the Diami, Diami Brown is another guy I've got there with Tylen Wallace. Those are the guys with the, the sort of uh, chalk top six for me. Amon Ross St. Brown is right on the edge. <clears throat> and Tamorian Terry is another guy because. For me, so that's my top ten, and, and Amari Rogers rounds out eleven, you know. And yeah, you did not hear Kadarius Tony get the hell out of here, um, you know. I, I think Kadarius Tony's a fine player, but I just don't see it. I mean, I look, I, like I said, everything is with a grain of salt, and everything. I'm ready to change my mind if I see something that changes my mind. But from everybody that I trust and 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 you know. He listened to in terms of film watching. Nobody's too impressed with this guy. But what's weird is the NFL is. So I, I don't understand. I'm not sure what's going on here. If I'm not, you know, so I'm still kind of intrigued by him. But he feels like to me, he feels like uh, Hakeem Butler or something. Where it's like all of a sudden we people just make up that he's good, and I don't know if he is or isn't. I, I you know, but it just feels like a false flag for me. I'm not. I'm not buying Kadarius Tony yet. Um, I'm waiting for my love affair to occur. I haven't watched his tape. But you know, just sort of in 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 the the skim of watching him, listening to the stories of him at the Senior Bowl, whatever, all this stuff, it doesn't sound like he's the guy. A, a few. Let me tell you a, a quick personal story here, and it'll I'll wrap it up in a bow. It'll be nice. So uh, a few years ago, I was always I felt overwhelmed, or I felt like I'm not getting it the way other people are in terms of watching film and ranking their players. I was always in a rush to to put something down, like write something in stone. And I just said, you know what, you can, I can only do so much. I kind of got to let this stuff come to me, if that makes any sense. Totally. Here. So when it comes to Cardavia, so when it comes to to Cardavia. Cardarius, excuse me, I want to put a V in there, Cadavius. Uh, when it comes to Tony, call, wide can, receiver can, from Florida here. We can call here. him Cadavius Tony. It's Cadavius Tony. Cadaver Tony. Cadaver. Go for it. Cada- tell, me about, tell me why you Tony hate him the, too. Tony the Cadaver. So cadaver the Tony. So this is the perfect situation for letting it come to me. So I would have never, you know, sat down and willingly, you know, brought myself to to a computer or a TV with a pen and a paper and a highlighter or whatever to to look into somebody, right? Especially him. He was just he wasn't on my radar. And I can be honest with you there. You know, I, I don't know everything, and I'm cool with that. But I, I started to notice uh, on social media and even on 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 Google searches, like some of the big time sites people were talking about this kid and it none of it was good it was all they were putting him down or calling him names they were just saying you know it, it, given the, the the handful of wide receiver prospects here uh i believe this isn't me talking i, I personally believe that uh 
cadaver Tony is not the guy. There's just something about him. Is he too gadgety? Uh, is he he's explosive, but he needs a lot of space? You know, who, whatever buzzwords people were using. And I, I was I was reading and reading and reading and taking in all this information. And that's what I'm letting it come to me. Finally, something went out. Go okay, maybe it's time to sit down and uh, j- just briefly go over what Tony's about, what he's done, what we're seeing here. And to be honest with you, uh, I like to, to to march to the beat of my of my own drummer, right? I, not to follow people and say the same things other people are doing. And just th- that's me, right? And I, I've kind of agreed with people in terms of Tony might be the bust of the class, but what, you know, and then that opens up a whole nother kind of uh topic here. What does a bus mean? How long before break? So all, all again, all these fancy dynasty buzzwords are being thrown about here. So it was up to me to kind of wade through it all and make my own decision. And I'll, I got to be honest with you. I don't have a decision on Tony yet. I love the fact that, you know, who wouldn't be enamored with the fact that he can turn any reception into a long game. He can take the ball to the house at any given time. And he's, he's, he turned into one heck of an explosive weapon in college football last season and if you look at what he did in the senior bowl that's kind of he's kind of risen because of what he did in the senior bowl and that's always not I don't want to say baffled me but it shocked me how you can have you know a whole a whole college career and it's like uh, he's okay and then one game 60 minutes oh, everybody falls in love with him one one game one instance I guess that's what uh Eminem is always talking about your one moment, your one shot to make it last year. So again, I can tell you, looking you face to face, eye to eye, I don't have a decision for Tony yet, and I'm not going to let what other people are saying sway me here. So the jury is still out, but the good thing is we have a lot of time here. Well, I'll tell you, I've already kind of made my decision because look, it, and and I'm going to tell you if if he were coming from nowhere and we were talking about him as a fourth round pick and I'd be like well I like him better than that but people are talking about him as a first round NFL pick and I I don't know I mean I guess it's the it's the uh versatility yeah dude yeah dude this is this is real they're talking about him being taken over Rondale Moore I mean this is ridiculous and so at the end of the day look that's nonsense to me Okay, go to another gadgety player, uh, for, to use that term, Lynn Bowden. Give me Lynn Bowden. So, you know, I'm not taking him over Lynn Bowden. I'm not taking him over any of these guys. I mean, for me, right now, I look at my rankings. He's like my wide receiver 17 in this class. Like, give me Daz Newsom over this guy. Give me uh, Shy Smith over this guy. Definitely give me Amari Rogers. I'm, I'm even interested in Eskridge over this guy. I mean, I, there's so many guys I'd take ahead of him. And, and and here's the point. If he's going to go in the first round of uh, of the draft, look, he'll just be the bust of the draft. I mean, he's not going to be an elite NFL wide receiver. And if he is, he will be the biggest outlier of all time because he doesn't have a breakout age. He doesn't have a, 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 a college dominator. He didn't even have 500 yards in his first three seasons of receiving. Okay, so he ran the ball a few times, but he only had 500 yards of, of rushing too. So... Uh, not even. I mean, this guy had about a thousand yards of total offense coming into his senior year. Like, you know, I I don't want to hear it. It's just he's not a pro prospect in that in that regard. And if he is, then it's the the greatest, 
reclamation uh, of a career out of a college program I've ever seen in my life, and I'll be happy to miss on it. So, look, if he's available in the late third, early fourth of a of a rookie draft, which he won't be because somebody is going to fall in love with his draft capital or whatever, then you go ahead and take him. And if he ends up falling in the real draft to like the fourth or fifth round, I'll feel a lot better about it because a lot of these other players seem to be more valuable. I know that the NFL values uh, flexibility and, and all that sort of thing where they can maybe line him up in the backfield, do this and that with him. I get that, all right? He, he can return kicks, play special teams. There's value to all this stuff, and, and I'll give him credit for that. But I'm not. I'm, this isn't an NFL, you know, podcast. This is a fantasy football podcast. This is a dynasty fantasy football podcast. I'm not putting a rookie pick, especially a premium rookie pick on that profile. Uh, you know, there's just nothing. It's, it's zero boxes checked. I mean, the only one is he's six feet tall. Okay, great. You know, uh, you're six feet tall. I'm not drafting you either. Yeah, I think my I think my grandma is six feet tall, and she's still alive and, and doing well here. But it's the classic case of, as you said, you, you kind of hinted towards it, you know, uh, if he's available in the third or fourth round. It, and again, he's not going to be. So it's the classic case of let someone else make that mistake. Let someone else... Uh, let him be a problem on someone else's roster here. And that's going to be okay. Again, there's certain guys I've noticed over the last few years, uh, really, uh, you know, buying in or really jumping into to dynasty Twitter or dynasty in general. It, there's some guys that are, people are just cool. If I miss, I miss because that's okay. Cause there's so much other, there's, excuse me. There's so many other you know, outliers and factors and players and kids to go through. Uh, if one slips through the cracks, then then so be it. And, and I'll apologize and I'll be better for it at the long run. So if you have a strong feeling about him one way or another, then that's okay. That's you own it and move on. If you want to sit it out and let him go somewhere else, fine. If you want to draft him, sure. I'm not going to be, you're not going to be Jax, but we can't, hold people's hands when we can't make decisions for people. Now, again, uh, I should hesitate to say that because, you know, people reading DFS stuff, people reading the or watching these broadcasts, listening to this stuff, they kind of want to be, you know, they're handheld and they want to be walked through things here. So sometimes just being open and honest and telling how you feel and not trying to put on a show is the best thing for business here. And when it comes to Tony, I'll get back to you. I don't have an answer one way or another. And I'm okay with that. A year or so ago, I wouldn't have been caught dead with, with an indecision here up. Oh, Chris doesn't know what he's doing. He's a dummy. No, uh, I think I'm more respectable in that way, right? Where it's like, well, he don't know. And so he's not going to try and put on a show. And I have actually promised uh, all of my listeners that I would hold their hand. Um, not figuratively, literally. Like, you know, uh, you know, I, I did make that. I tweeted that. I promised that. Um, so you might have missed that episode. But uh, in all honesty, you're right, though. I do want to you know, when I'm listening to a podcast and I listen to a lot of these other guys, I do want to hear a take. I do want to hear a, a position. You know, I do like certain players and I don't like other players. Um, and I'm willing to maybe change a little bit, but it's going to take a lot of more, a lot more information to sway me to put Kadarius Tony in my top 10 wide receivers. I just can't, I can't even see it. Look, if I'm going to take a swing late like that, I'd rather take a swing on Seth Williams. Um, I don't really love Seth Williams. I think he's going to be a little bit of a, you know, a, a jump ball receiver. You know, I, I'm not really interested in Sage Surratt. You know, it's kind of like for the reasons I wasn't interested in, you know, JJ Arcega Whiteside or whatever. But, you know, 
at least Seth Williams had pedigree. He has size. He has young production. Um, you know, if I'm going to take a swing late, I, I'd rather do that. And and here's the thing, I think Kadarius Tony is going to push some of these other, some of these other guys down to me. I tweeted that today. I said the best thing about Kadarius Tony is that he's going to get drafted by someone and push a better player to me in a draft. And that's the greatest thing I've ever heard in my in my life. So you know. He will not be on my rosters, I'm sure of it, um, just because of the cost. Again, I don't hate players. I hate ADPs. Uh, All respect to Matthew Berry, who once followed me. I don't know what happened. He probably hit a a button, maybe something. I I, don't really know what happened. I'm sure he regrets it every day. But, um, you know, I I do. You know, uh, if you put the guy in his spot and it's his turn to be taken, I'm ready to draft him. But uh, (laughs) if if you're talking about him being a a first two-round uh, rookie pick, uh, pass. Yeah, hard pass. And I guess they said the old adage is uh, no news is good news or something along those lines here. So the fact that, that I'm indecisive or the fact that you're, you you have a strong opinion on him should be enough to say, well, uh, he, he's not for me. It's not a wise decision. And I love what you said where someone else will, will select him before you and it'll push a, a better player down to you. That's one of those, those, like those old uh, strategies, you know, people always want to get into strategies and tips and tricks. Like we're playing video games here and, and that's a good one. And nobody ever talks about it. Maybe they think it's just uh it's free game. It's already well and out there, but the, for me to draft Tony, it would be uh I don't know. I don't want to say a cold, cold day in hell because that would mean like that I absolutely can't stand him <laughs> or I hate him. But uh, I'm looking. Yeah, if I'm going to swing as a baseball player and a baseball fan, if I'm going to swing for the fences, it's not going to be with Tony, as you said. No, absolutely not. And you know the the, the running back class is very shallow. So <clears throat> the wide receiver is at least there, there's a perception of depth on in the wide receiver class, and there is sort of a it's sort of top heavy in, in running backs. You know, I do like the Najee Harris. I love Javante Williams, and he's the guy. So what's interesting is you have Najee Harris, Travis Etienne, and Chuba Hubbard. Those three guys returning now sort of, you know, lower their stock a little bit with me, actually, because they returned, but I still love them. They were elite, you know, part of that sort of elite uh, crop from last year until they weren't. Um, and they really didn't do too much, although Chuba did kind of uh, fizzle a bit. I He definitely should have come out last year, but, you know, those guys are, are great backs, but to me, Javante Williams is is continuing to climb up my boards. And I, I you know, I'm not a huge film guy, but I watch enough to be dangerous and I just want to know what a guy is capable of. I want to see it happen. You know, it's like with, with Daryl Henderson. I really love Daryl Henderson. He was a lot of fun and, and of course when you look at like the 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 metrics, he was like crazy good. And then when you watch the film, you're like Man, he's got a lot of daylight there. He's run into a lot of open space, and he's pretty quick, and he's he's bursty, but uh, I don't see him breaking a lot of tackles and all that sort of thing. And and so then, you know, he kind of falls a little bit because if you just looked at the numbers with, with Daryl Henderson, you probably would have had him as, you know, uh, a much higher prospect. And you kind of see that's how he's used in the NFL now. So that's where the film helps with the analytics, right? But with, with uh, Javante Williams, you know, he was good as a freshman. He played as a freshman. He wasn't outstanding. He, he he was not used that much. Look, as a sophomore, as a true sophomore, he, he, he was great. He had almost a thousand yards, you know, five and a half yards a carry, did catch the ball 17 times. And then this last year, sort of splitting with Michael Carter, 
you know, here's the one thing I'll say though. If you if you think Javante Williams is that good, then Michael Carter almost necessarily has to be at least pretty good because they almost had the identical stats this year. Not that stats is everything, but you know, sort of a controlled set. They both were were really good. I did make the the the, the joke that you know. Uh, Javante Williams was tackled by the end zone 22 times, so maybe he'd still be running on a few of those. But uh, he, he, you know, he did he did get as far as he could go 22 times. Uh, you know, so almost 10% of the time he t- more than 10% of the time he touched the ball, he scored. So you know that does you know that does factor in. Um, but Javante, when I watch him run, uh, I, I've got a comp that I think y'all will will get a little excited about. I watch him run; he's kind of like a, a little bit of a Marshawn Lynch. And, you know, you guys will see I'm doing the write-up for Javante in our draft uh, draft kit, draft guide, whatever the fuck you want to call it, coming out. And, you know, Javante is a, is a guy I'm really excited about. Uh, you know, when you talk about checking boxes, he is the prototype size, you know, 5'10", 220. Uh, he's coming out as a, as a junior, which is also an early declare is what you want to see. He's got production. Um, he, he um, again, when you watch him, he, he runs so aggressively – but he also can can break free. Um, so in other words, he's not just a, you know, I think even um, uh, Zach Reed brought it up the other the other episode about like uh, John Kelly used to run to contact all the time, and Javante doesn't do that. He just is able to take contact. You know, his body is so strong and well built that when he when he feels it, he's able to make contact with you and then. That doesn't matter because he's going to fucking throw you off and, and keep going. He, so when we talk about the anatomy of, a, of, a, of an elite running back, size, bingo. Okay, receiving ability, bingo. Early declare, bingo. Dominator, bingo. Uh, you know, efficiency, uh, you know, everything. It's just all there. You know, I, I do think he's going to run fast. Another big part is uh, uh, speed score. And 40 time. We do want to see that. I think we're going to get there. He's not even 21 years old. Javante Williams might be my RB1 in this class. I It is not out of the, out of the question. And, and it's, it's crazy. And it's driving me nuts. Because I have this sort of uh, memory of Rashad Penny. Who kind of felt a little bit like this. And I'm just trying to make sure I'm not making that same mistake. I don't think we are with Javante Williams. Just so you can hear me say that clearly, but I, I just need to think this one through a little bit. But at this point, he is damn, damn close to my RB1. Uh, I don't know if you know anything about Javante, but uh, try and top that. Absolutely. not. Your, now you're speaking my language. So when we look at uh, Javante Williams, I thought in the short amount of time, when you reached out and said, I want you on the pod and we did some, you know, we had some scheduling things and we, and we, we settled on right now. I spent today, as I've told you, doing my notes. I already knew who these guys were, but not as in depth as I felt was needed to be, you know, to be on a broadcast such as this one. So when I looked into it, I, you know, my initial reaction was Jax is going to kick me off the show. I'm going to be kicked out of the undroppables. Everything's going to be over when I tell you I I have Javante Williams as my RB2, and I love it. I, I love what he 5'10", 220 pounds. I mean, it, it's like you're reading my mind. You know, you can see into my soul. I swear to you, I was going to say the exact same thing in terms of, of Marshawn Lynch. So he ended the 2020 season with, I think, 1,130 or 40 yards, so well over 
over uh, 1,100 rushing yards, 305 receiving yards, and I love what you said too, 22 total touchdowns. The end end zone stopped him here. And if we're talking from a, like a box, <laughs> yes. checking a box standpoint, he has he has unbelievably uh, fantastic footwork that I've seen and the power and for him to be, can you imagine uh, him in an NFL ready kind of team in a setting where he's able to be used in the passing game as well? I mean, I I know in college, or excuse me, this past season, 305 uh, receiving yards, it's it's not a lot when you have like the Alvin Kamara's of the world and the Christian McCaffrey's of the world, but they're, they're special. I'm not comparing them in any way here, but Javante Williams, to me, he's the, the perfectly built running back for the NFL. You said earlier in the broadcast, if you could make a, a wide receiver in a lab, that that's what you would do here. If I could make a running back in a lab, it would be Javante Williams, 5'10", 220. He can pound you. He, he's elusive. His agility is unbelievable. Everything I've seen, I, I'm absolutely head over heels in love with him. And he is one of those guys I told you about. I can't get off my mind. I crossed paths with him at the grocery store, should have asked for his phone number, and I just cannot stop thinking about Javante Williams here. He's absolutely on my radar in terms of someone who I'm looking to add and grab. As we, as we were talking, you know, before the broadcast here, hate to keep bringing that up, but uh, I, I'm at a point now where I know what, what selections I have coming up in my rookie draft. And I'm, a, I'm right in that sweet spot, right in the middle to that late first round, and then again in the, in the mid, early to mid-second round here. And Javante Williams is absolutely someone I want to draft in any and all formats here, and I'm not even sorry about it. And there's one more guy and I know we're going to touch on him here. Don't want to bury the lead or, you know, give it too much away here, but Javante Williams it. is wow, is he uh ama- wow, is he amazing to me. Well, okay, I mean if if we want to get into it, the other guy, it's Javante Williams and it's Kenneth Gainwell, the running back in Memphis here. Now, if, if you look at what Gainwell has done, now personally, he's like uh if you look at everybody else's, you know, top ten so far. Again, we're in the middle of February here, so take that kind, of, take that stuff with kind of a grain of salt. Things are going to go nuts after the draft, where we see where these kids go and you know the situations they're walking into here. But Kenneth Gainwell, if you look at what what he's done at Memphis, you know, remember last season. Uh, I'm not talking to you, Jax. I'm talking to anybody who's who's listening to this. Do you remember last season when all the talk, Antonio Gibson, Gibby, is, he's whatever. He, he only had, what, 30 carries or 33 carries in college. Uh, I don't want to draft him. It's it's he's, he, he's awful. And then Antonio Gibson is, he had a fantastic rookie season. Scored all those touchdowns on, on uh, Thanksgiving. I digress here. I'm getting too far ahead of myself here. Now, it, it was because of, I'd like to think, it was because his limited touches and carries was because of, of Gainwell. Gainwell is, 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 he's shifty, you know, in, in the streets. Like if you're walking around, if you call someone shifty, that means they're a thief. They like to steal, however it is. But Gainwell on the football field is shifty, which is fantastic. And that mixed with his vision and the weapons or excuse me, and that being a weapon out of the passing game, he's not just a running back to, to 
that that can run the ball or catch the ball. He can do it all. And guess what? Bingo! That makes like a massive uh, a, a weapon for you. And we're able to get him from what I've seen in the early to, to middle of the second round. If you're in a in a draft with me or Jax here, he's going to be long gone by then. But he rushed for 1,500 yards in 2019, and he he completely opted out of the 2020 season. So again, kind of you know like the Jamar Chase here. There's like we're missing a period of time here, but we know why at least with Kenneth Kenneth Gainwell. And he is in my top five firmly as it stands now of the running back rookie class here. And again, as you said, that's not really saying much, Jax, because it's kind of uh, it's not as healthy as I would have liked it to be personally. But Kenneth Gainwell is a kid that I am not going to leave drafts without. I don't care if let's say I miss out on Javante in in, at the end of the first round. I'm grabbing Gainwell anywhere that I can, you know. I don't know. You know, you've been busy. You've been grinding. <clears throat> I don't know if you've heard a couple of my recent pods. Probably a couple. The the probably the the, the two with uh, Kane Fossil and Zach Reed, the two film guys. I I I will. I'm gonna pour some cold water on you here. I love Kenneth Gainwell. I've said it so many times. He's like one of my favorite college players ever. I I love him. I I mean, you know, I just he's like my favorite. However, if this kid is 5'11 or 6 feet. 5'11 or 6 feet tall and 185 to 190 pounds, he will not be a lead back in the NFL. It just won't happen. It's not going to happen. It won't happen. Uh, If it does happen, it's an outlier of epic proportions. It never happens. Even Christian McCaffrey was closer to 200 pounds, basically 200 pounds, and that was a little light. If this guy can't break 195, not only is he not 200 pounds, but he's also long. He's like 5'11". You know, we look at Michael Carter, who's 203. At least he's 5'8". You know, at least that's a package. You know, dude's got, I call him ass legs, you know, where, you know, he's got the he's got the beef. You know, those guys need the ass legs. You know what I'm talking about? I mean, we know where MJD had those. Remember those? You know, Saquon or Saquads. Uh, you know, they need to have that lower yeah. body weight. Ham hocks, ham a couple hocks. of ham hocks. That's what I'm talking about. You need to have that as a running back at the level, w- w- you know, in college is different. You know, it's just different. And, 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 and yes, if you want to talk about, um, you know, Kenny Gainwell, look, he did, he did uh, play Antonio Gibson off the field, which is how good he is. You know, Zach, uh, Zach Reed said he was like, he he's, he has him graded above Travis Etienne as far as a film grade. And so he's saying, this is how good this kid is. So it really puts me in a quandary because you're right. He's that good. That, that you're not wrong. The problem is, is that he's going to play in the NFL where 185-pound 5'11 dudes don't, don't, don't get the ball 20 times a game. They just don't. They just don't get the ball that many times. And we're going to have to see. Because if he's drafted in the fifth or sixth round or fourth or fifth round, the NFL is kind of agreeing with me because they're watching the same film. They can see that he's dynamic, electric. He's got amazing contact balance for a guy his size. Now, again, at the college level and not the top level college level. But, you know, so I don't know. And it, but it's going to be hard. Now, as you say, in the second round, uh, late enough, I'm I'm in. And and just so you know, he was my like RB4 in this class like, you know, uh 2 years ago or whatever. You know, like in other words a long time ago, whatever. 
I, he was like, he's my guy. But as I start to see, he I don't know if he's gained weight. We don't know. Hopefully, he the only thing he gains well is weight because that's going to put him back on the map for me. Uh, I'd like to see what he what he weighs in at a pro day, what he runs. Uh, it's going to be important. If he's able to run fast at a big weight, and I hope he's not 5'11". I hope he's 5'9 and 3 quarters or something. You know, it, BMI is going to be an issue. So I need him to weigh a little bit more in order to withstand NFL punishment. But I'm going to go quickly back to Javante Williams. This is not hyperbolic. This is not you know anything crazy. I'm just, I'm just talking out loud. His upside as a runner, his upside... I'm not saying he's this. I'm saying this upside as a runner is like Nick Chubb. I mean, he's big, strong. He looks like Marshawn Lynch, Nick Chubb when he runs. Now, I don't know if he's that fast. One thing with Nick Chubb is he's an amazing athlete. You know, you look at him, he was 90th percentile agility, 90th percentile burst. He, you know, I don't remember what he ran, a 4'4", four, 4'9", four, 4'8", four, four, or something like that. At, at 220-something was 90th percentile speed score. So, I'm not saying he is that, but if he has that type of athleticism, he's got this immense ceiling in terms of what he is as a runner. But when you put that together with what he also has shown as a receiver, really the sky's the limit with with Javante Williams. So he's here. there's another guy that I would have loved to have seen gone to the combine because we would have more information. But going quickly through an, uh, the, the anatomy of, a, of, a, of an elite running back, Draft capital, he's going to hit that. He's going to be in a, a second round pick, probably almost a, a certainly, uh, where most of the guys, you know, are are, are picked in in that top. Uh, you know, certainly day one, day two, he's gonna he's gonna easily get that forty time. You know, we really want to see a you know in the four fives or better. I think he's going to do that. Um, speed score, obviously, if he does that, he's going to have a great speed score. He's going to be well in the uh, uh, top percentile. We really want to see him weigh more than 210. He does. That's great. So he's 220 or more, which is even better. BMI, uh, we want to see a BMI over 30. His BMI is going to be right around 31 and a half, 31. So he's there. Uh, best college season in total in terms of total receptions. Uh, he was splitting a backfield and still was able to get to 25, which is kind of the magic number. Um, so he, he hits there. I always want to see 20 or more. Um, you know, more than that is kind of gravy, but you do want to see a 20 catch season. Um, you know, the, a freshman or sophomore season with above a thousand total scrimmage yards. He hit that last year again, splitting a backfield. So he hits that college yards per carry. You know, you like to be able to see a guy who's shown he can do it. He he hits that as well. Um, he's, you know, the burst, I don't know if he's going to have burst, and he is an early declare, so he kind of just checks everything except for the athleticism. We just don't know. But when you watch him, he looks like he has burst because he'll break a tackle and then he's he's kind of he's able to get to the edge after that. It's not like oh he looks you know when we watch David Montgomery, he would break tackles and then kind of get a yard or two and get taken down. You're like damn, if only he had a little bit more juice. You know, kind of like hitting the turbo button with that dude. With Javante, you're like, shit, this guy is breaking it off. So it, the, the, when we watch him, it does look like he has those attributes. But we don't want to be fooled. We do want to know for sure. You know, if he goes out and he jumps a, you know, a 20, you know, if he looks like David Montgomery, I mean, he could be. That's kind of where I put him, somewhere between David Montgomery and, you know, Nick Chubb. I don't know where, but somewhere in there is what this guy is. And I just think he looks... Um, more juiced than David Montgomery did. So I think he's a, a floor play of David Montgomery, which is not a bad pick in the top five. 
No, you're absolutely right, and I love the the comparison here to to Nick Chubb. And when I look at, at Kenneth, or yeah, Javante Williams, excuse me. So I, I, when I look around, you 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 like to think that in college you have some pretty damn good coaches there, guys that tell you what to do and and what to do better. And it's when it comes to Williams, it's only going to be highlighted and accentuated even more. For me, uh, the patience is something I have heard nobody talk about. His patience and then bam, boost, acceleration, bam, with his pad square to the ground, or excuse me, squared ahead, and he burst through. Now we know, we've already mentioned a few times, he, he's short, shorter and he's stockier, which is fine. Not going to be a slasher type of runner, and that's cool. Head forward, and you go boom, boom, right straight through everything here. So from, from what I've seen in the limited amount of, of tape here, he just needs to, there's a few things he needs to tighten up, and that's where I was getting at in the comparison between college coaches and NFL coaches. The, the, whatever team is lucky enough to grab him, they already know this stuff we're not saying anything that's like off the wall or crazy here the team is going to work with him and they're gonna you know uh tie him down in with some very uh fantastic excuse me we have to edit this portion out because i'm fucking stammering all over the place here but javante williams is going to be given everything he needs to succeed and what he does well that's what he's going to do they're gonna not too much craziness just cut a little bit of fat off his game do this without doing that and he's going to be he's going to be a star in the NFL I, I can already see it well and that's why we we look at certain things we don't look you know that's where the analytics versus film comes in where it's like you know if a guy's a finished product in in college you know that's great but you know it, it doesn't mean you still need the juice <laughs> you need the juice you know you, in the pros i always say you know you can be a finesse player in college and and run a 46 465 not have a lot of acceleration still get by and maybe be pretty good but you know in the pros now the linebackers are all bigger stronger and faster than you know they're all the elite the best linebacker you ever played in college that's all the linebackers in, in the NFL, they're, none of them are dogs, you know, co- compared to college players, you know. So, you know, the defensive ends all run four fives and four sixes. They're able to chase you laterally. You can't, you, there's no fooling anybody. You know, a guy like JT who ran a four three nine at 225 pounds can get the edge. N- not just anybody, you know, that that's the type, and that guy's 99th percentile like he's able to run to the sideline and even sometimes he's caught and you're you know so it it takes a very very special athlete to be an an elite running back in the NFL and I I don't think that's a hot take although I have had arguments with people on Twitter that say dude speed isn't everything it's like of course it's not everything I didn't say all fast guys are good running backs I said all great running backs happen to be fast. You know, there's a big difference there, you know, and because they have to be, because they, they, I mean, I always joke, but it's in their name. They have to run. They're running backs. They have to run the fuck away from all these guys trying to kill them. And so, yeah, you need to be big and strong because you're going to get hit a lot. every Almost every play, you're going to get smacked. Uh, or you have to be fast enough to not get hit. I mean, it's pretty simple. You know, it's not that hard. You're either Derrick Henry or you're Christian McCaffrey, but... You need to move, uh, or you need to be able to move the other team. I mean, one or the other. And so you're looking for that. Now, with Kenneth Gainwell, I suppose we do see that a little bit. But I'm telling you, you know, what's going to happen is there's going to be busts. There's going to be busts throughout every draft. You know, last year, we actually were, were sort of blessed with not very many busts other than, obviously, Henry Ruggs. 
pour one out. I'm just joking with you, Henry Ruggs t- truthers. But you know, um, you know, it's like w- we knew there was gonna be there was gonna be bust because there is every year, and there's gonna be some this year. And what you're trying to do is just avoid those pitfalls. You know, don't take Kadarius Tony because you know you're, you're you know because some some idiot like Mike Mayock picked him in the early second round and thinks he's gonna use him. I mean, Mike Mayock picked uh, Lynn Bowden and traded his ass, and now Miami's like, yeah, great. Yeah, he, he, he was great down the stretch because they used him as a wide receiver. Mayock stubbornly made him a running back, which he never was. So, you know, all these things are are, 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 are going to happen. Imagine if he was still in Oakland. He'd be a quote-unquote bust, but finally he got his opportunity early enough to move over. I, I did want to touch one other thing. We talked a little bit about it at the, uh, you know, uh, before the show, and and we'll go to it um, because we're, we're running out of time. I do have a another engagement. Whoa, an engagement! But um, I, you know, one thing of dynasty game theory I wanted to mention before uh, we sign off tonight was, you know, people will ask. You know, I I wrote the 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 dynasty game theory uh, startup draft article I did, and then uh, last week I I got with Chalk and we did a dynasty startup draft thing, and and. And and this can be used. This type of attitude, th- th- this information can be used whether you're in a startup, whether you're in a, a rebuild, whether you're you know competing or not competing. You got to understand one thing, and I wanted to share it. And basically, you know, I, I, how's the best way to go about sort of talking about this? I, I went and I looked at like, okay, how. I look back at draft classes. I went back and I looked at like 2011, so 10 years in the league. You know, I just looked at wide receivers and running backs, and I looked at the draft. Now, this is undrafted players. If there's a few of them that are, you know, still relevant, I didn't look at them. I just looked at drafted players. The only relevant players left from the 2011 draft are uh, running backs, Mark Ingram and Deion Lewis. You know, when you look at wide receivers, Julio Jones, A.J. Green, and Randall Cobb. Huh. Well, um, in 2012, there's literally no nobody relevant uh, as a running back. I mean, the best I could find is Lamar Miller and Alfred Morris. So there's none. If I look at wide receivers, Marvin Jones and T.Y. Hilton. Okay. If I go to 2013... Gio Bernard, Lev Bell, Latavius Murray, probably the best player left from that draft as a running back. Rex Burkhead, those are the top four. But if I look at wide receivers, DeAndre Hopkins, Robert Woods, Keenan Allen, I mean, it's like, holy smokes. Go to 2014. In 2014, the best players, uh, best running backs still in the league, Carlos Hyde, James White, Jarek McKinnon, if I look at wide receivers, obviously this was a legendary class, but still, Mike Evans, Odell Beckham, Brandon Cooks, Devontae Adams, Allen Robinson, Jarvis Landry, Sammy Watkins, John Brown. I mean, what? That, the 14 class, but it's not the 14 class. It's, it's every class. Look at 2015. The best running backs still in the league. There's got to be some, right? Todd Gurley is the best one. Todd Gurley, Melvin Gordon. Tevin Coleman, uh, the two D Johnsons, David and Duke, uh, Mike Davis. Okay, that's pretty good, but eh. You know, look at the wide receivers. Amari Cooper, Devontae Parker, Tyler Lockett, Stephon Diggs, uh, Crowder, even Aguilar. Uh, Darren Waller was kind of a half one. So 
you look at 2016. These are the best running backs available. Uh, best running backs: Zeke, Derrick Henry, still dope. Kenyon Drake, Jordan Howard. Uh, you know, and then and then you've got you know just guys like Michael Thomas, Tyreek Hill, uh, and so on. So what I, what I'm getting at is these wide receivers age better, and running backs. I I've talked about how they're they're eviscerated very quickly, and we're going to touch on that just briefly because who are the guys that are going to be eviscerated going forward? You know, who are the guys that you're going to be like, oh shit. I traded a first rounder for this guy, and now he's he's you know one of these uh, duds I just mentioned, Carlos Hyde or whatever. I mean, even Lev Bell, Todd Gurley, all those guys. I mean, they're not worth anything anymore. David Johnson, etc. Those guys were studs, but those stud wide receivers tend to hang on well into their 30s, or at least up until they're 30. Um, so I just wanted to point that out, and I, I know that maybe you have a little something on this because we did talk about it a little bit before the show. You got anything to add? Yeah, absolutely. Not nothing specific in terms of player, but what it tells me is it, it, it gives me a clear cut plan in terms of, of building a, uh, my dynasty team, whether it's a rebuild or whether I'm looking to contend here. You know what I've seen on social media a lot, and it's it started to pick up some major steam, and I'm sure you've seen it here. Uh, draft, draft or acquire like really young and studly kind of wide receivers. That's how you you stay in the mix here. And then you trade for uh, stud running backs when you need the help. So as you were saying, the wide receivers will, they age like fine wine. They, they get better and they have more staying power in terms of a running back. Literally, if you look at, at that, look at that list, which I'm looking at right now, there's, there's four or five running backs per class. And that's being a little bit... Uh, you know, too nice saying most of them, there's literally three or four here that, 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 that's all. And the rest fall through the cracks and the rest are just meh while the wide receivers are still, you know, hanging on tight here. So in terms of, of a draft strategy or a plan that you got going here, uh, I haven't put too much thought into it and I haven't looked into it much, but I'll be honest again, I don't know everything that this is like the first time I've been hearing about build your team around young studly wide receivers and then in in times of need or when you want to make a playoff push or you want to be competitive that's when you you do anything and everything you can to acquire a a very good running back here so wide receivers are are fantastic building blocks for your team I just had no idea how important they were for long-term success in a dynasty league well yeah absolutely and 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 Michael Liu, who I had on the show, one of the best shows ever michael's a stud, I love that dude, but when Michael Liu and I were on, we talked to he he he, he you know he used the term the Iron Bank, and I've stolen it, it's mine, I'm keeping it, I'll credit him every damn time. Copyright infringements be damned, but the Iron Bank is where you put your your cash, and those are draft picks, so if you take all of your players and transfer them over to Draft picks. I'm not suggesting to do this, but I'm just saying if you did, those are securities. They can't go down. They're not going to be worth any less. You know, if you have all the first round picks in in, in 22 and 23, they're not going to become less valuable. They're only going to become more valuable. Now, you also can't play a 22 uh, a 2022 first round pick in your RB2 slot. So it ain't going to help you win but it is going to help you hold value. So when you're trying to rebuild, you want to push all of your assets into draft assets, not because you think you can win. As a matter of fact, it's going to help you lose. So you're going to lose, you're going to get a better pick, you're going to get a better pick, you're going to have more picks, and then you can use those picks to either attain players or 
uh, you know, draft a player. The second type of player that is not quite the Iron Bank is wide receivers. Those are securities or annuities or something like that. I don't know. Making this up as I go. I, don't, I write this shit down. I'm, I'm not like a beautiful mind over here writing all this shit on my wall. But, uh, but they're, they're very secure. They're going to last a long time. It's a, it's a U.S. Treasury bond or some shit. It ain't the Iron Bank, but it's good for you. And it's going to hold on for a long period of time. And it's very unlikely to be eviscerated like a carry-on Johnson or you know uh, players like that who just you know oh they have the they're the starter no they're not because you know uh, Fournette maybe grabbed the the starting role from Ronald Jones but if they were wide receivers Antonio Brown didn't take the job from Godwin or Evans they was a, there was enough to go around for all three of them so that's why wide receivers can can hold value even when a stud is brought onto their team so those and they they tend to last longer as evidenced by this so dynasty game theory this is so important you want to know where those things are now what people will sometimes misunderstand what I'm saying is that you do you do need stud running backs I'm not suggesting oh who needs stud run- no no they are almost like the skeleton key to winning your league. Don't get it twisted. If you have Barkley and Kamara and Dalvin Cook, you're probably going to win your league next year. I don't know. If you have CMC, Dalvin, and, right, and Chubb or something, yes, that's great. However, if you have CMC on your team and you are 4-12 and 12 or whatever, I mean, I guess it would be 4-10, you know, and 10, you know Trade him. What the hell are you doing with him? You're not going to be good next year. So what are you going to do? You're going to make one draft pick, at Jamar Chase, and all of a sudden you're going to win? That ain't happening. I mean, unless you had a ton of injuries type of thing and your team is still good. But you have to evaluate your team and say, look, I only have Christian McCaffrey. I'm just going to let him, you know, keep me relevant and get me the sixth pick of the draft every year and never win shit. And then he and then he's nobody. And I, you know, you have to turn that into, you know, secure equity so that you can continue to maintain your team's value and then use that value to to get your running backs. I usually try to pick those running backs. All those guys I mentioned early on with the Fournette, Mixon, you know, all those guys including now Javante, ETN, and Harris. I try and get them in the draft. Why not? You know, a lot of times especially in super flex leagues, I'm telling you, you watch you watch folks. Jamar Jefferson, um Chuba Hubbard and those top 3 and uh, I, 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 somewhere in that ballpark is about the top five. First of all, there's five of them, but in a super flex league, there's five quarterbacks. There's a bunch of wide receivers: Devontae Smith, Jamar Chase. These five quarterbacks: Kyle Pitts. I'm telling you, you're going to be sitting there on the clock at 110, and you're going to be looking at ETN or Javante Williams, going, "Holy shit, this actually fell to me." You're going to take them. <coughs> Excuse me. And you're going to have an opportunity to start to start to rebuild your team with that running back in the first round. So you want to take those elite running backs in the draft if you can, because that's when they're the cheapest. Because I just traded for both Dalvin Cook and Alvin Kamara in a couple different leagues that I went for a title in this off this past season, and they were like three first round picks of value. That's what they cost. Now you can not buy them, or you can spend that kind of capital and get those damn players when you need them and try and win a title. But it'd be a lot cheaper to buy them for one single first-round pick when you actually have the damn pick. So, <clears throat> pardon me, but that's basically the general thesis of dynasty game theory: is understanding, you know, where those values are held. You know, sometimes if you're not winning, you know, yes, if you're trying to win, you need them. But if you're not winning, 
you know, just keep churning. Sell the running. You know, a lot of times you might sell that running back, like Todd Gurley, you know, and you think it's a dumb move. <laughs> you sold Todd Gurley. What an idiot. And then he becomes the other Todd Gurley, the new one, the one that's broken. And you're like, no, that wasn't an idiot move. Or you sell Christian McCaffrey. Oh, what are you, an idiot? And then he's hurt all season. He's not an idiot. You, 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 who knows what you could have gotten for Christian McCaffrey at his height last year. And if you weren't winning, you were a fool not to cash in on that value. So all that is kind of what you should be thinking about. And if, if you're listening to this pod, you just had a, did a quick little jumping jack and you're swinging your fist because you now know the keys to unlocking a rebuild or any other situation, whether it's a startup or whatever. Yes, you do want to invest in young wide receivers that will hold value and accrue value, hopefully. Boom. I've been unknowingly doing that for doing this for years, and I was—I guess I was never smart enough to to put two and two together. Just real quick, as an example, you know, for the common folk here, uh, I, I trade during the season. I trade away all my draft picks and make a, a run for the title. I did that this season. I did it the season before. Uh, I I traded my draft picks for Ezekiel Elliott. Chris Carson and Aaron Jones, and I won. I won back-to-back titles, and now, right now, I'm trading those guys off again to acquire more picks to sneak into the first round for a couple selections. Or depending on the draft class, where where do you think you can get the the, the most value in terms of players? To me personally, it's uh, early to mid-second round this season, and those are so easy to come by in my league with talents like Zeke or Aaron Jones and go from there. So again, uh, I thank you for bringing this up. I, I've been doing it unknowingly for years. I just didn't know how to explain it or e- even if it was a thing. So uh, you're right. It, it is the skeleton key to unlocking a successful dynasty rebuild or a successful dynasty title run yep absolutely and you know it's funny because you're right a lot of people do little bits of it but until you actually understand you know in a very linear way what you're really doing and why you're doing it you know you might luck your way into it or you might kind of think you know what you're doing but not sure why but that's why you know and and um and those running backs are more expensive generally i mean they're all going to go, you know, you're in a super flex draft, a startup. In the first 15 to 20 picks, you're going to have 10 running backs and almost, you know, 10 quarterbacks. I mean, in the first 30 picks, you're going to have – 25 picks, you're going to have like 10 and 10. Easy. I mean, it's just like they're just gone. And then you're sitting there and you're, you're, you're you know, you draft – you trade it out of there and you've got like three third-round picks and you've got Devonta Adams, Tyreek Hill, and CeeDee Lamb or whatever. I don't know. I'm just making it up. You know, but you can, you can literally just hammer them – home and you you know they're just cheaper uh, in a startup you know oftentimes when you're selling um you know a guy like like you said a Zeke a CMC a Gurley at their height you know you're able to get like Amari Cooper uh like you say Aaron Jones and a first or something it's like well that's great or I can get like you know uh two young you know uh T Higgins and and you know Brandon Ayuk and two first or something for one of these guys it's like Look, I'm not winning anyway. These guys are at least going to hold value for me. They're going to produce and, you know, whatever. So, yes, uh, you know, those trades may not be exactly what you might want to do or not, but you get my point. In other words, you can always push those things forward. So, yeah, it, it's a lot It's a lot of fun, and, and you never want to be stuck in the middle. I mean, I know I'm not the first dynasty, uh, you know, uh, advice giver to say that, but, you know, you kind of want to either be bottoming out, and how do you bottom out? Well, you don't want to just suck. You just want to, 
you want to transfer all your wealth, which if you're taking over a shit orphan, it, there may not be much wealth, but you want to just push that into the draft. And I've actually done situations on a rebuild where I've then taken that, that, that it's an awful team, like awful. So you're not even able to really get much in the first uh, rookie draft. I'll take those picks and sell them. And, and this is a big one. You just said it. There's great value oftentimes in early seconds. Well, you sell your first round pick, right? Uh, you know, the, the 1.05 for the 2.04 plus a next year's 22 first or whatever, right? You know, in this example. Well, now you still got a player. He may, it may be T. Higgins versus Henry Ruggs or whatever, you know, or whatever. I mean, in other words, you may still have just as good a player there in that second round pick. I mean, it's not as likely, but it's possible. But you still have him, plus you have a 22 first. So you still kind of have the 22 first. You're just pushing it to next year, but you're starting to build your team. Maybe you trade T. Higgins for another first or whatever. I'm, you, know, you get my point. You're just sort of continuing to push it into the bank. And imagine if you had you know, eight or nine first-round picks in some of these drafts where you could take you know, CMC, Dalvin, you know, et cetera, all these guys in one draft or this past draft. I mean, obviously, I, I lined myself up for the 2020 class, and obviously it paid, it paid dividends. I've got a ton of JT all over the place and, um, but, you know, and C.D. Lamb. We knew these guys were coming, but if, you know, in some drafts I picked, you know, Akers, Dobbins, and JT. It's like, great, I'm rebuilt. I'm rebuilt. I'm ready to go. I've got some wide receivers stocked up. I just took those three running backs. I didn't win this last year, so I'm going to have a good 21 first. But those three guys are going to be dope this year, plus my wide receivers, plus whatever I add for, to it this year. And I'm, I'm, I'm rebuilt. That's it. Boom. Go. So it's, it's kind of that simple. Uh, you you kind of want these running backs to all hit at the same time. And if you can pick three studs in one draft, well, that rookie year, they're you know, we saw it. You know, they're not always that dominant. But we're pretty sure almost all these guys, Antonio Gibson, uh, CEH even, I, I'm, a, I'm a buyer of CEH, all these guys are going to be right there um, You know, w- when the time comes. So, look, we're getting a little long-winded, as I knew you and I would. But let's, let's, let's call it, baby. Let's just tell the people what's up. Tell everybody where they can find you, what you're up to, what you look forward to, and, uh, and, uh, and we'll, we'll sign off, baby. Sure, you can find me on Twitter at Detroit Beastie, or you can find me at the Undroppables nowadays. Very happy uh, and excited for that. And in terms of what I'm looking forward to, I'm looking forward to to making more withdrawals from the Iron Bank with my draft selections for this season. Uh, I've already made it clear the few guys that I, that I want to grab at all costs: Javante and. Uh, Kenny, Kenny Gainwell here, and I'm going to do it, and it's a fantastic strategy. Uh, thank you for having me on, and I look forward to uh, many more broadcasts and interactions, Jax. Thank you. Absolutely, and, and uh, you know, I don't know. Who knows what will happen by the time, you know, the season starts, if you have your own, you know, DFS pot, excuse me, or, or whatever, but, um, you know, whatever it is, uh, we'll have you on during the season uh, for sure. I mean, I, you know, because I think the people will want to hear what what you have to say on a weekly basis. So you know, once the once the season rolls around, you know, uh, Chris is going to be totally dialed in with with the you know the his history, his system, plus whatever we can help him, uh, you know, perfect that system. And so he's going to be sharing that with you. And and again, basically right now it's still free. So. I mean, unbelievable. This is like the, the, the skeleton key to winning money so and having fun. So 
tune in to, uh, to, to Detroit Beastie. He's got a huge following already because he's, he's been successful. He's an awesome dude. He brings that energy. He's accessible on Twitter. So go check him out. Check us out on, at The Undroppables on Twitter. Check us out at TheUndroppables.com. We have an exciting draft kit coming. I don't know what the hell you call it. It's going to be awesome. It's going to break everything down. Uh, we're working real hard on it. There's a bunch of guys um, on the team working real hard to bring that to you. Keep an eye out for that. I'll definitely, I'll definitely let you know when that hits. Uh, again, it's, it's very expensive. It's free. So if you, you know... I don't know if you guys can swing it, but you know, <laughs> we're gonna have the fucking best draft kit ever. That's free. That I fucking promise you. So for all of us at the Undroppables, for all of us at at the Undrafted Pod, for Michael, uh, my producer, for uh, for Chris, Detroit Beastie, myself. Thank you so much for listening. Hope you had a fucking great time. Peace out.